our final Splitsville match, number 13, USC, and number nine, Stanford, and came down to a pretty brutal brawl at Galen Center on Sunday. So uh, who wants to take a stab? Uh, we'll go with Jay first on this one. Well, I think the controversy is going to be discussed probably the most, and, and I won't delve too deep into it other than the ref made a call, and it's it may not have been the right call. I don't know which one was the right call because I can't see it clearly enough on the on the thing, but you know, uh, when you when you have two teams that are fighting for a small space up at the top, uh, you know, things can get heated and contested. And there's 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 a lot of fun in watching that. So two good teams. Uh, you won't hear the end of them after this weekend. They're both going to be in the hunt later on down the line. Yeah. How about you, Theo? Yeah, you know, I, I think this matchup is is really unique um, in the sense that, you know, if you watched it and you look at the stats, you look at the who won which sets, it felt as if Stanford had control for most of this um, and let it slide a little bit. Um, you know, I think going back to what we talked about early on, uh, surprises for this season, uh, and USC is definitely one of them, right? They graduated a lot of guys, a lot of talent, a new setter. Um, obviously some new pins and in, in the transfer from UCLA. Um, so to see them kind of develop and get to where they've gotten um, and finding a way to scrap out a victory over Stanford, I think is, is pretty impressive. Um, that team is, they got some talent. You watch them play. It's not perfect, right? They're, they're making a lot of mistakes. They're doing a lot of things, but finding a way to win is absolutely a part of the game. And, um, you know, obviously this this went to a split and, and went one and one and this easily could have been two victories for Stanford. And I thought it was impressive that uh, USC found a way. Yeah. How about you, Dan, your take on that matchup between SC and Stanford? Well, the first night uh, I pronounced his name correctly. Is it uh, Theo uh, Snowy? Hey, Snowy. Yeah. Snowy. He was pretty good the first night along with Kevin Lamb. Uh, and so I saw them carry some weight. Uh, but I think you said it earlier, Rob. I think Stanford had a lot of opportunities the second night to close it out. You know, a couple of game points early in four and then in five. And, uh, you know, ultimately, uh, you know, learning how to finish on those matches is probably key to their growth. You know what I mean, in terms of that. And USC walked through the door because they left it open in terms of that. And so, and I think that's a lot of things. And those teams that we talk about five through, you know, 12 is those teams that are able to start making those separation or the ones that start winning the games that they should and uh, and don't leave the door open for teams. And that becomes a pretty big growth point for a lot of our teams. Yeah. Actually, speaking of growth uh, for USC, one of the things I recognize about this, this matchup here, particularly USC has been led this year by Dylan Klein in most matches in night one against Stanford, he pretty much got closed out. Then he responds on Sunday and just went off with 30 something kills and which I thought is a, amazing. A good turnaround for a true freshman and he's got to be a freshman of the year candidate if not in the mpsf with rowan you know definitely in a national uh discussion so i want to go ahead and let brad have a shot at his thought on the usc stanford matchup yeah i mean dylan klein night two dylan klein and simon gallus were the reason why sc were able to battle and find a win and I, I agree stanford was a little bit more talented a little bit better a little cleaner um, but I think SC just showed some toughness and, and showed some grit finding ways. And they went with a backup setter for stretches and did some blocking subs and some switch blocking. So pretty much through anything and everything um, at Rotman and Snowy to slow those guys down. And it, it paid off, you know, especially in that fifth set. All you need is one or two block touches or, you know, they had their middle blocking on 
Will Rotman for that controversial net under challenge call or whatever it ended up being that we couldn't really tell on the volumetrics camera. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it's a battle, you know, and that's a huge win for SC being able to split with that team when they didn't quite play as well as, as them statistically speaking. Yeah. Hey, you brought up a name, Simon. Like I felt like we said that name every week last year. Yeah. Uh, and we haven't, you haven't seen us, you know, talking about Jay was talking about where everybody knows you're coming. And I thought Simon was pretty new last year and was doing a lot of things, but it's a name we haven't maybe said as often uh, in terms of that. So, well, they've been going to Cobrin when he, since he transferred in, Wow. And they're obviously trying to, to get Dylan Klein developed, but Simon Gallus was a bit, he was offensive player of the week a bunch of times in the MPSF last year. So yeah, he had not left the court for him. Um, he's been on the right side. Coburn's been on the left. So yeah. he's been playing a ton for them. It's just, I think just a lot of moving pieces. It's a new team as much as it's a lot of familiar names. Yeah. Yeah. This isn't a splitsville match. I wanted to ask, I know Dan, you had a tough Oh, and two week, but I wanted to ask about your, uh, Ray Strong uh, preemie awareness night and how that went for you? Well, we raised uh, $2,500 and I just wrote the check this morning and sent it off in the mail to uh, Lily's List, which is uh, an organization that we're helping out. So yeah, I think um, as much as we all want to win, I think those things bigger sometimes and had a lot of great uh, support both on both sides, Loyal and Lewis. It was a good match, I think. It was back and forth and, uh, you know, and ultimately raised a, a good chunk of money and uh, we're able to do some good things with it I mean, in terms of that. So, but, uh, but yeah, the match was good. And uh, like we said, we had, a, we had an opportunity to win game one, but Loyola capitalized on our airs on our side. You know what I mean? And so, uh, and yeah, I think we win game three and then game four was pretty much, they kind of led, but uh, yeah. So regarding the uh, Ray Strong, can they, can people still give now? Yeah. Yeah. I still give it. Uh, you go to raystrong.org and uh, ultimately make a donation and uh, you know we're continuing to do stuff for other families and things like that and so and uh, uh, so yeah anybody somebody wants to get on and donate it's great or if they got an event they want us to be a part of they can reach out to me at the same time good stuff all right our next topic a few the the few team focus items sorry we have to transition into this one dan ramblers rambling in the miva two and a week against you guys and mckendry and they're leading in the MIVA, are they the real deal? Let's start with uh, Brad on this one. I think they are, um, you know, especially within the MIVA, what that means for national title, title contenders, I think that still remains to be seen, kind of seeing it consistently over time. Um, like those top four teams we talk about every single week have done for the past few years now. Um, but I think they are within the MIVA. You know, Parker Van Buren is playing really well. Dan Mangum, I think it's just, continuing going slightly under the radar with a, a lot of people. I know we've talked about him quite a bit here and he had another really impressive night. I think it was 40 plus assists in a four set match, which is really tough to do. And it means your team's playing good and passing well and, and serving well too. So yeah, I think Loyola is just playing pretty steady and it looks like Schlottauer is finding his rhythm and finding his stride with new supporting cast all around him. All right, let's go over to Theo. We're going to finish with Dan last because it is his host conference. So, yeah, I haven't had the uh, the pleasure of, of playing these guys in person, um, but watching on video, I mean, it's this is an easy one. They're a good team. Uh, you know, obviously a new coaching staff who's doing a great job, and we all are incredibly familiar with them and and their skill set. 
Um, but these guys are good and they're coming off of, you know, two weeks ago, they played incredibly well and got a big win over Ohio state. And so coming in and, and knocking off both Lewis and McKendry, I mean, I, I think, uh, they're playing some really good volleyball right now for sure. Yeah. Jump over to Jay. I don't think anybody is surprised that John Hawks was going to go in there and turn things around and then make that program, uh, feel a little different. That doesn't mean uh, anything other than they're going to play his brand of volleyball. And John Hawks knows what he's doing. He's been around the block a few times. So it's definitely not a surprise to any of us. Schlotthauer, Mangum, and and uh, and Van Buren, or Parker Van Buren are doing really, really good things. Um, and that's a three-headed monster. And one of them touches the ball every time in a rally, hopefully. So that's a pretty good trio. Uh, but, you know, it, it, I think I think Brad's right. Are they a talk or conversation for a national championship? I'm not sure they have all the pieces, uh, but that doesn't mean they can't get hot and get better. You know, the, the best teams are up here and the rest of us are all somewhere down in this area. Some of us lower, some of us higher. The thing is, is how much better can these teams get? Are these teams going to grow exponentially like we are and be so light years ahead of everybody else that nobody ever touches them? And I think the answer is no. I think everybody else gets better and it's how fast can you progress and get to that level where you can compete with them night uh, on a nightly basis. And you never know what happens at that point, but that's where I think he is. He's somewhere in there and he's working and building his way. And will he by the end of the year? I don't know, but he's a, he's doing nice things and it's a fun team to watch. Yeah. Well, I'm going to like this response because I know Dan's got to be diplomatic in that same conference. I know they, they hang out together with Hawks and Dan. So What's your take on Loyola? Uh, not surprised. I think they returned almost everything except for the, the setting piece from last year. And so I think and Jay, Jay hit it. You know, I think ultimately they were poised to win league last year. If everybody remembers, they uh, Ohio State was coming into their place. They beat Ohio State at home. They win league, their first seed. Uh, they lose that match. And then um, they're the second seed and Purdue Fort Wayne ups upset them at so I think those guys are on a little bit of this. Like you talk about Penn State was expecting uh, to be there last year in the tournament. I think Loyola is in the same phase. They've got some guys that were expecting to win league last year. They, they had done the work and they kind of slipped right at the end. And I uh, thought that they beat Ball State both times last year. And I know Ball State made it. And we were on Ball State, but nobody ever talked about that a little bit where Loyola wins that match against Ohio State. Ball State's got to go through Loyola. Uh, and so I, I'm really not like they've got all the pieces in terms of the opportunity to win league. Uh, you, you plug a great coach in there. He's doing some good things and making them better. So, uh, yeah, I think they're in a good spot where they want to be halfway point of the MEBA conference play. So, yeah. Right. Next uh, matchup, Hawaii hammering Long Island, but they've done it without the services of Jakob Tella. They've inserted Keone Thim in it outside with, and you've seen some Philip Humler as well, but uh, what can we gather about Hawaii or is it still a question mark because we haven't seen the national championship lineup out on the court altogether. It's not to say that uh, Brett Schuer is doing a phenomenal job because he's stepping in and doing a great job, uh, but want to get your guys take on what we can see from Hawaii in the upcoming weeks being that they'll be facing Pepperdine and then they've got a big one the weekend of, I think it's a third, uh, 10th or 9th or 10th or something, where they host the Outrigger, which is Penn State, UCLA, PFW, and of course, Hawaii hosts. So let's start with, uh, we'll go Dan on this one since you went last on the last one. 
Well, I think is Jacob Thaley being rested? Is he okay? We don't know that. Like, I think this is the thing that it's like um, they're playing a couple of different pieces, and nothing, nothing against LIU, but they can't because they're that good, so they can shift their pieces around. So, are they going to do that if Pepperdine was coming in right now? Are they going to do that if you know the opponents that are coming up? I think that's the thing we'll see. Just is Brett sure it's still going to be out there when the tougher part of their schedule comes up here in the next couple of weeks, or does Jacob? get back out there in terms of what's going on. And so, uh, and the season's long and it's grindy. So when you're good enough and you can play your second guy in a spot or your third guy in a spot to make your team better in the end, I want to get back. That's where you want to be. Do you know what I mean? Because then it's like those guys' legs get rested. You wonder with Jalen Jasper at the end of the year, how much gas does he have left in the tank? And if he's done all his workouts and all the summer stuff, he may be the stud that we continue to see, but, some guys, you know, that's a hard hard load to carry when you're the main guy for four months of the season in terms of that. Yeah. Let's go over to Theo. Yeah, I actually had an opportunity to watch this match uh, on the ESPN production. Um, I think I watched a little bit of night one um, and, and a little bit of night two and just kind of bounced back and forth between them. And uh, the thing that was impressive about Hawaii is that they were specifically, they talked to Charlie before the match, they were specifically trying to, expand on their depth um they played a lot of different guys and and rotated some guys through and this team is deep and and they have some they have some talent and you know i think obviously the fact that they're able to continue to play at a pretty high level without uh Jakob is 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 impressive and you know brett Stewart is is a good level player he's a good setter and he's steady he's definitely not the same athlete in that position but the passers were doing such a great job that he was just in system and it was, it looked really easy at times. Um, but they had Todd on the right uh, for a little bit. And he's a guy who's kind of developed, you know, over the, over the past few years and has developed a little bit of an arm swing and they had their main passers in there and, and, you know, they pass well, they block well, and they've got some pieces. And so, you know, I think I think this team is absolutely the real deal, uh, top to bottom. And and if they're missing a guy, they can still beat a good team. And uh, we're going to see that as as the Big West progresses. Yeah, Jay. So, have you ever played volleyball at the University of Wyoming? There is a sign overneath, uh, overhead on the entrance that says, "Welcome to seven thousand two hundred feet. How's your air?" When you are an East Coast team playing at Hawaii, there should be a sign that says, welcome to 1 a.m. your time. How's your rest? Uh, and that would be a major indicator of why over the years it has been historically tough for teams to go into Hawaii and play well uh, from the East Coast. Now, all the people from Hawaii, please don't send me hate mail. I'm not yeah, saying I'm that email that isn't worthy. All I'm saying is, LIU is a new program. They have not played a caliber team like you yet. They went over to your place and yes, they got a day of acclimation, but it was still 1 a.m. when they played you. They're not going to be as fresh. So that being said, Hawaii is a real deal. They're, they're not, they're just re reloading. They had the same bullets, probably 12 to 14 to 15 guys deep. Uh, guys have been chomping at the bit to go in there and play from day one and haven't gotten a chance yet. Sheward is the starting libero. The kid just went out and set them into a victory against a team uh, 3-0. 
so the kid can play a little bit. So yeah, there, there's some depth at that. Hawaii is the real deal. I think the next few weeks that when the, when their meat of the schedule starts to take off, that's where we're going to see how far they can go. And the thing is, I think they'll hit it. If Yako is injured, is Sheward going to be the guy that can get them there? I don't know. I, I haven't seen Sheward set other than that match. I don't know how good he is in the gym. But if he's setting in the gym right now, who's playing libero? I know that the guy came in, Elu Choi, I believe was his yeah. name. Uh, Choi. Really, yeah. yeah, did a real nice job. Uh, but, you know, that there's 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 something to be said there about a guy who's been there, done that for a little bit longer. And Jakob is that guy. But listen, Hawaii's the real deal. Until they aren't, they are. Yeah. We're going to interrupt Brad before he gets his last stake. But Jakob Tella a couple of weeks ago was on KHON News. And they'd interview him in a two-minute piece. And he's just resting. Uh, he's he's nursing an injury, but he's resting. I thought, you, I thought you were going to say, yeah, I told the coach I'm not playing. I'm no. taking some time off, coach. He's transferred <laughs> to UCLA. No. Wow. <laughs> just kidding. That was going to be really oh. impressive. Uh, rumors. <laughs> Way to go, Rob. Starting rumors, but, brother. I just say that people are leaving left and right here. <laughs> <laughs> all right brad final take on hawaii and the liu matchup yeah i mean it's no secret hawaii's really good and a lot of those guys have been playing up against one of the best teams in the country for the last three years you know and with charlie milan capono they they know what they're doing and for a lot of those guys a lot of their main contributors for the last few years have been finishing their season in may and then going overseas and playing internationally so having some time off is really valuable for their bodies, valuable for their development, uh, allowing their bodies to reset a little bit and not having to be competing every single weekend for five more months. So, so yeah, I think it's only making them stronger in the long run, um, which isn't, isn't ideal when we're gearing up to go play them in big West play here in in a few months. (laughs) All right. Our final topic here in our feature is uh, this one hurts me to say, Bruins blast the Eaters, three-one uh, both nights, Friday and yesterday it's Sunday. So, um, you know, we'll start with Brad on this one since he went last. Yeah, I mean, UCLA's still really, really, really good. Um, they're serving well. They're playing some good volleyball, and they're consistent. You know, between all three of those pins and the balanced attack, setting quick. Uh, night two, Merrick was really, really good um, offensively at the net blocking. They, they keep proving to, to the country that they're right there in the mix with all those top teams within every single match. You know, obviously they dropped the first set in each, each of those matches, which that might be an interesting piece and something that could haunt them down the road in, in some must-win matches. Um, and then with Irvine, you know, they kind of ride or die with Sonny. Um, Heno's playing really well, but if Sonny's not performing – um, at the level we're used to, which is a elite All-American level, then that puts a lot of stress on on everyone else around him um, and himself as well. So continuing to watch that and see how he manages that growth because he's at that point where everyone knows who he is, everyone knows the ball's going to him, um, and trying to stop them with everything they can. Yeah. Night two for Merrick McHenry, 15 kills, one error, 636, ace, two blo- solo blocks, five block assists. That's all. That's all he did. And, oh, he put away two set points. So <laughs> uh, let's go to Jay. 
First of all, if I'm John Sparaw and staff, I am wrapping up Rowan in bubble wrap every week. He's not practicing. He's not doing anything <laughs> except walking around like Ralphie from a Toy Story with bubble wrap all around to keep him safe. Secondly, um, you know, Brad touched upon it. Sonny is obviously uh, the main engine part right now. I'm not saying Hanno's not good. I'm not saying the other guys aren't good. Sometimes when your number one guy goes down and the rest of the guys are now left to their own devices to figure out how to be successful, it kind of helps all of them get better because no longer can they rely upon one guy to get us out of trouble. You know, every, every good team we say has that one guy that, you know, when, when you know what's hitting the fan and maybe it's a bad pass or it's a long rally, you just go, hey, go get us out of trouble. And that guy bangs us out of trouble. And we move on. Now nobody can do that. Uh, and so they all kind of have to figure out a way to be successful so that when he does come back in, he's just icing on the cake, if that's the case. And so I think that's going to help Irvine rather than hurt them down the line. All right. Good take. How about you, Dan? Yeah, I think, granted, I, I'm curious to say they lost both the first games each night, but I think you're seeing some consistent production by the main core group of the UCLA guys in terms of lineup. And um, as they continue to work through league play and they move forward, um, I, I think they keep getting better, you know, and, uh, but Irvine's talented. So I'm not surprised they took a game uh, in terms of that. I think, um, but I am also not surprised that UCLA closes them out in four and doesn't get caught in the fifth game in terms of that. So, uh, because UCLA is just a better team right now from that standpoint. So I think Irvine has to have like Sonny, you know, both those guys have to have big time nights for them to change the outcome in that match. So and I'll close out with Theo. Yeah. I mean, if you guys didn't know these, uh, these three coaches that went before me are excellent and they know this game incredibly well and they hit it on the head. Um, you know, UCLA is the reason that we're talking about them every week is they've got so many weapons um, between Ito, Ethan, Alex, the, you're not even talking about Merrick in that mix. I mean, those guys are just incredibly consistent uh, on a nightly basis. And again, when you talk about what it takes to beat a team like this, you you need Sonny to perform and he's got to perform at an elite level. And, um, and not, you know, I actually didn't have an opportunity to watch it, but just in looking at the box score, um, he wasn't himself. He wasn't what Irvine needed him to be. And, um, you know, it doesn't say that they can't get there, uh, but they've got an undersized setter uh, who's running the offense. And, uh, you know, Sonny's got to be that guy. Obviously, Heno's playing great and probably good enough to beat a lot of other teams, you know, maybe in that 7 to 15 range. Uh, but without Sonny having, you know, a Jalen Jasper type of performance, um, I think it's going to be tough for Irvine to beat a team like UCLA. Yeah. So being there firsthand both nights, uh, one of the things I realized with Sprawl and the Bruins is, so they they started with one lineup in set one, and they're not like liking what they're seeing result-wise. So they started with Guy Jennis in the middle, and you know he's not doing bad, but they're like they're not they're seeing something that they don't like. You know, what, let's put in Jr. Norris and uh, Norris support in, comes in, just blocks, hammers, inserts so much energy in the team. And then throughout the year, if you looked at what they've been doing, okay, you know what? So-and-so's not having a good night. Let's put in Zach Rama. Oh, wait, you know, wait a second. We have Cole Kaczynski. Oh, wait, we've got Grant Sloan. Oh. Hey, Rob, Rob, <laughs> shut up, dude. We all know this. We got to play them. <laughs> you don't have to keep telling us and rubbing it in. None of us have that problem. <laughs> 
the fact that they can make that adjustment and come back and turn things around or get what they want to see. And you talked about Hawaii's death. And this in two weeks, two weekends, we're going to see a head-to-head matchup between these two teams. I don't want to jump too far ahead, but I can't, you know, I can't not admit that I'm totally excited to see this matchup. So it just seeing those kind of tweaks and, and get be as successful as they have been during the season so far, we're looking for what probably a classic regular season match right here in the next few weeks. So uh, I know we are going long, so I'm going to just jump to um, the matches you guys are watching in week nine. I don't know if you guys got a chance to look. There are, I think I've counted it, 39 or 38 total matches. So uh, I'll pick one, maybe two uh, that you're focusing on. That would be awesome for our fans and viewers to hear. So let's start with, uh, I think Theo looks ready because he's like, okay, hit me up. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, you know, Pepperdine, Hawaii, uh, I, you know, we keep talking about like, is Hawaii that real deal? Is, are they capable of beating an elite team? And is Jacob healthy, right? Is, is Tella, is Tella, is he healthy? Um, and I think my guess is he's going to play in that match. That's my guess. And um, I'm excited to see that matchup. I think that's going to be pretty exciting. Um and then, you know, I'm looking forward to Lewis and McKendry. Um, I think that's going to be awesome. Obviously, uh, you know, with Dan being here on the podcast, I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for him to bounce back and, and go and get McKendry. But I think that those are two really good teams. Um, you know, McKendry's had some tough losses this year, but they're incredibly capable. So I think that's going to be a good battle. All right. Let's go over to uh, Dan of Lewis. Uh, BYU and Grand Canyon. Uh, I think that becomes uh, we're talking about Grand Canyon that has kind of established themselves as that top middle tier. And then BYU has been kind of calling back in. You know what I mean? Like not very good last year, been climbing their way back through the rankings this year, been getting some wins. Uh, and so do they do they take the next step? Do they say, hey, we're we're in this top echelon and or does Grand Canyon stifle them and uh, continue where they're at in terms of that? So that'd be pretty big. Ball State plays Long Beach. You know, Caleb Jennis is back in the cycle of playing, and you got the uh, the other young man from Zimbabwe T. And so I think uh, in Deza Bacheva. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What happened? In, you're the announcer. I was lucky I got T out. Just so you know, do you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, but I think them playing Long Beach that'll be an intriguing match uh, in terms of this physicalityness from that standpoint and how those guys bounce back. Hey, Dan, I was going to ask you, though, I noticed that Donan is, uh, had a setter change this week, and but Flores came back in. But I wonder if that was a uh, experiment or. I think so. I think you saw it happen right after our match with them. The, the Polish young man went in and yep. he's a. T- Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Frozen. Uh, in terms of just figuring some things out. So. FBI in Dan's office. He got cut off there. You may have to repeat that last part. I just said you got two talented setters, and so, yeah. 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 All right. Uh, do we got Jay yet, or am I going down this way? Yep, Jay, go for it. Sure. Um, Pepperdine, Hawaii, because I'm interested to see what the Jakob brothers, if they're healthy or not. Jakob Tella is obviously nursing something, but so is Jakob Steele. <laughs> <laughs> um, if he's healthy. South and, County and, is pronounced Jacob. I know, I know. You never know. He could have some, he could have some different culture in him that, that warrants the Jakob reference. But if he's healthy, if, if Steele's healthy, then Pepperdine <laughs> will be at full strength. And, and that will be really interesting to see. 
Um, I also will be watching BYU Grand Canyon because I think BYU right now is is a little bit still here, and I think Grand Canyon still humming at a high clip. I am going to be playing, or we are going to be playing North Greenville. So we have the number one conference Carolina team coming in this weekend. But the last match I'm going to be watching is Penn State versus the Battle of the Anagrams, both CUI and UCI, which is <laughs> going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, I, I, I'm interested to see if Wildman's going to get more sets. He's kind of been a little bit under the radar in recent weeks, and I'm wondering what's going on. But uh, Irvine, Concordia Irvine, has been doing a really nice job recently in, in recent weeks. They're uh, opposite uh, Del Batista. Kid's a beast. <laughs> Uh, him against Fisher, that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. So I'll be watching those matches for sure. All right, Brad. Round it off the last two. We got Irvine, Stanford. You know, Irvine bouncing back, Stanford bouncing back from Schlitten. Um, fun to see Rotman and Sonny go up against each other. I think those are two, two of the top players in the country. So that'll be a, a really impressive battle. And both one, two of the more fiery players in the country as well. Um, so I'm, I'm excited. I know. Rob, you'll get a good front row seat for uh, for some of those chirps. Well, this is interesting, and, and I'm I'm curious on the coach take on this. UCI plays up at Stanford, then flies for an early match on Sunday against Penn State. So, uh, yeah, they they play up at Stanford at 7 p.m. They're going to get a fir- early morning flight on Sunday, and then play Penn State at 5 p.m. So. Uh, well, welcome to Coach Niffin's uh, unique travel history. <laughs> we could go on a, a very long combo about the things he's done sometimes in travel, too. I mean, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Sorry to interrupt, Brad, but I had to mention that because does that play into the mix? Like, is that a challenge for your athletes? Oh, absolutely. It, it 100% is. Traveling and bigger guys being cramped in an airplane is not good or cramped in a bus or cramped in a rental van. Like, <laughs> You, you got to work out the kinks when you get to the gym and, and um, there's going to be lots of kinks in the knees, the hips, the back. Um, anytime you're traveling uh, a day of a match. Again, minute flight. Well, again, welcome to how the Midwest and the East coast have had to travel forever. <laughs> when you play an away match and you're in your own bed at 10 PM, that same night, that's not an away trip. <laughs> <laughs> send all hate mail to Rob. Don't send it to me. <laughs> and we get home at like midnight sometimes and uh it's uh oh, god it's i wish our closest competitors three and a half hours away come on rob are they playing stanford at home i mean i'm sorry are they playing penn state at home or are they playing yeah. penn state away they're playing penn state at home okay okay so it's a i mean orange county airport's a 10 minute drive from uc irvine so direct flight <laughs> but but you know what though dan hit the nail on the head if you know if you know uh how niffin schedules like he does that stuff on purpose. He, he likes to throw a little curveball at his guys once in a while to see how they respond. Now, granted, he's not doing it like at the at the absolute worst case scenario, but he'll make things a little challenging every once in a while to see how his guys respond. I kind of appreciate that to some degree. Yep. Hey, to win a national championship, and if you're a lower seed, you got to play Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know. yeah. Stanford, Stanford lost uh, two thousand. 14 national championship and they had to play all three of those matches and they were just ran out of gas in that last match if you guys remember and that was yeah. against at loyola so and they were good that was a good team too so james shaw was setting that team i remember it yeah 
what's the uh, the quote that I learned? The uh, road to a national championship is not the path of least resistance. Nope. Uh, <laughs> oh, sorry, Brad. Finish on we've been totally gone off the rails already. Oh, it's perfect. <laughs> that was great. Uh, your last one is how does Ohio State respond after losing to Lindenwood, and how does Charleston respond after losing to the fighting Jay Hossicks? Uh, and they did not go in Columbus. So. Well, I'm going to add one in there because uh, one of the teams whose record does not reflect the, the type of play they're capable of is Santa Barbara, and they're taking on San Diego. So I really want to watch that matchup because I know that that team is good. And Brad, you're doing good stuff with your guys, but we got a fiery Santa Barbara team, and we all know that what Rick's capable of. So I, I love that, you know, the question mark. What team? We, what teams are we going to see that day? You know, Brad, you should do a thing in the future when you guys play at each other's house. You have a surf contest in the morning at your local break because you got Black Beach right behind your school. And then you got, you know, Campus Point right there at Santa Barbara. And then you combine how many points they score. And then that's how you start the match. That's what I would do. Same. I'll be too busy watching the nude bathers at Black's Beach. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys picked a player of the week last week and i posted a cartoon graphic of those players and the thing went crazy so i'm gonna have you guys pick your player of the week and do the same thing for this week so uh let's start with uh let's go with dan on this one omar hoyas from george mason Woo, look at it <laughs> how about you brad i had to go with jalen jasper and no no doubt no brainer for me all right and Jay. Toby Ezionu, 14 kills, zero errors, 765 against NJIT. It's pretty good. <laughs> and we'll close it out with Theo. Uh, I'll take Merrick McKendry. Uh 15 air, 15 kills, hit 636 against UCI. Oh, ouch. Take some. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, hey, as always, you know, you guys are giving good content to our viewers and listeners. Appreciate you all of you. Brad Rostad of UC San Diego, Jay Hosick of George Mason, Dan, friend of Lewis, racestrong.org. Be sure to stop by, donate to a great cause. And Theo Edwards of not San Fernando Valley State, but Cal State Northridge. So uh, guys, good luck this week. Remember, check out all these streaming listings at volleyballmag.com. Follow social media on all these guys' programs and any teams that you follow, hashtag NCAAMVB. And be sure to say hi to these guys. They're taking their time each week to be on the podcast. I've been receiving a lot of love, which I appreciate when I go to different venues. Like we listen to podcasts, great stuff, but I can't do it without these other four gentlemen on the screen. So thank you guys so much. Thanks for listening to College Volleyball Weekly. Be sure to follow Rob Espero at the Rob on the Mic on Instagram and at Rob on the Mic on Twitter. <laughs>